the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Have you ever noticed how there's some portions of Scripture and they just seem to lend themselves to easy memorization? There's some some parts of the Bible you read it and I don't know, at least with me, it just seems to stick with you. And I believe Galatians 5 is one of those passages, and we're going to get in there in just a moment, but I want to welcome you to this edition of Exploring the Word. It's a brand new week, and Bert Harper and I are in the New Testament book of Galatians. If you're a new listener, Exploring the Word is a program where we teach through the Scriptures, the Word of God, and then we open up the phones, and we have uh, Bible questions, and we'd love to hear from each and every one of you, and in a few moments we will get to the questions, but uh, Bert... Uh, as a young believer, I was encouraged to read through the Bible, and my pastor, he said, if you read three chapters a day and five on Sunday, you'll read through the Bible in a year. And uh, I did that, and uh, have done it several times, but Galatians 5 seems to be one of those chapters that you hear quoted a lot. There's some very, very quotable parts of Galatians 5. And though I've read it a number of times over the last 30 years, it's always fresh and new. And I, I love to go back to it, don't you? I do, and I agree with that fully. Uh, first four chapters of Galatians has to do with doctrine and statements. But when you come to chapter 5, the doctrine is brought to practicality. In other words, since we have this in Christ, how does it work out in my life now? And uh, most people want to know, how, how shall I live? Seems like Francis Schaeffer had that question years and years ago in, in his uh, book and then in his video, uh, how shall then we live? And, yeah. and I, said, I say Galatians 5 and 6 really let us know. Hey, Alex, before we go any further, I want to thank Jim Stanley for uh, being in last week. I appreciated that so much. And one of the reasons I was out, I was in Monroe, Louisiana, and we had, we met many of our supporters there. I got to say hello to them. Uh, I preached the Word of God, and they responded so warmly, and they were always asking about you and saying, hey, uh, when are you and uh, Alex coming to Louisiana sometime? And so anyway, <laughs> hey, but I, I wanted to share that with you and our listeners, and if you're listening and you were there at that event where I was there, Ed Vitaglino, Wesley Wallman, uh, we just enjoyed meeting with you, but Thank Jim Stanley for sitting in last week. Well, he did a good job, as always. We love Jim Stanley. And uh, listen, last week I was, among other things, on Exploring the Word, but I went to a luncheon by the North American Mission Board. They had a, a big uh, pastor's conference, and I was there. And sure enough, lots and lots of people came up, and they said, how is Bert Harper doing? And you tell Bert we love him and just enjoy all that Bert and Jan do. And so it was a good week, and I know everybody down there in Louisiana was, was glad to meet you in person. And so uh, the National Day of Prayer was last week, and yeah. we had Jim Bolthouse on of the presidential prayer team, and longtime friends and colleagues they are. Amen. But yeah, it was a blessing to have Jim on, and uh, 
He did a great job as we were going through Galatians. Let, let me just say this, and we will get in Galatians 5, folks. If you go to AFR.net, as in AmericanFamilyRadio.net.net, there you can, a lot of things, find the station in your area, but we archive shows, you can listen, you can share. And if some of these shows are a blessing, you can uh, forward those on to other people. And then there's an AFR app that's compatible with all phones and mobile devices, and you can carry the great programming everywhere you go. And Bert, it always blesses my heart, and I give God the glory when people tell me, and I do hear this affair, I'd say once a week at least, somebody will say, you know what, Uh, I just now came across AFR, and I listen all day long, and I've told my friends, and I'm learning a lot, getting inspired. So we praise God for the fact that uh, together we can proclaim the truth of God's Word, not only for salvation and the strength of the church, but revival in our country. Hallelujah, Alex. You know, the Word of God will not return to him void. It will go forth and accomplish all he's seen it out to do. So that's why on AFR, even the the programs are not Bible study programs. They're event-driven and commentary on that. The Word of God is still the basis, and that's what we make our decisions on. And when you come to Galatians chapter 5, there's, you know, I'm looking for those repeated words or repeated phrases, and here's what I want everybody to do before you start reading. Notice how much Jesus Christ is mentioned in the first few verses, and then notice how much the Spirit of God is talked about in the last verses, especially in the middle. Now, what? why would I bring that up? Because our salvation, it was God the Father loved us so much they would send his son. And so his son purchased our salvation on the tree. If we, by grace through faith, would receive him and surrender our life to him. But then Jesus said, it's necessary that I go away. If I don't go away, the spirit will not come. Now, why was it so important for the spirit to come? Jesus had, in his incarnation, he had become flesh. And every time you see Jesus after that, he's always in one place at one time. Now, he could appear uh, behind closed doors one minute and then the next minute be with the two on the road to Emmaus miles away. But he is always in one place. But the Spirit of God, Alex, comes and indwells each believer on the face of the earth. And so when I read chapter 5, I I just want to tell you, that energized me to know that the Holy Spirit of God in your life, Alex, and in my life is working our salvation to the glory of God. That, Amen. And, and you see that in Galatians 5 especially, don't you? Well, exactly, exactly. You know, um, Paul goes and he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, that could be any pastor's uh, admonition to his whole congregation. Uh, stand. In other words, if you've come to Jesus, stay with Jesus. I mean, if you're trusting the risen Lord Jesus for your forgiveness and salvation, don't ever abandon or don't ever deviate for lesser things. And he goes on in verse 2, he says, look, if you're going to trust in law, if you be circumcised, Christ profits you nothing. And then Verse 3, if you're going to trust in the law and your self-righteousness, well, you just know that you're a debtor 
to the whole law. In other words, if the law is what you want to trust in, understand you're obligated to every single minute point of it. And then he says in verse 4, Christ is no effect to you who think you're going to get justified by the law. So over and over, he kind of repeats, you know, just so there's no mistake, uh, your your righteousness before Almighty God is not going to come about through the law or circumcision or good works. Now, let me say this. Uh, he goes in verse 6, he says, faith operates by love, or faith works by love. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision avails anything, nor uncircumcision. So in other words, if law or license, either one, you're lost. I mean, uh, very often we'll make comparisons. We'll say, you know, the down and outs need Jesus, but the up and outs need Jesus. So what works for yourself? Faith. And he says, you did run well. Who hindered you that you should not obey the truth? Now, Bert, I want to ask you this. As a pastor, and you and I have both pastored, and I was a youth pastor for 11 years, and then you know, been an evangelist, and you've been in church leadership and ministry leadership for many years. Whenever I meet somebody from years past, I'll all, and I did last week, I met one of my youth groupers from 25 years ago, and I said, hey, good to see you, good to see you. Are you, are you walking with Jesus? And this person said, yes. Well, Paul, notice in verse 7 of Galatians 5, he says, look, you were running well. Hey, what happened? And don't you, when you meet somebody from your past that maybe you led to Christ or or ministered to, don't you? Aren't you relieved when they'll Amen. say, "Oh, I'm still walking with the Lord." Amen, uh, Alex. That's a testimony, and you stay with Christ. Now, again, I want to go back. I know you left first one, but I, there's one thing that I under, underlined and highlighted that I wanted to make sure that we got this. Notice what it is entangled again with the yoke of bondage again. In other words, these people were entangled before with the law. They were set free through the gospel of Jesus Christ by grace through faith, by trusting Jesus and Jesus alone. But now they've, look at that word again, they have gone back to that which is less than. They were on a higher level when it comes to living godly and glorifying God, and now they have stepped down from that and entangled with a yoke of bondage. Now, notice it's a yoke of bondage. It's not just one. In this case, it was legalism. It was the law. But there's other yokes of bondage. And let me give this warning to every believer out there, especially those who saved, were saved as adults after they had come out of an addictive lifestyle, after they had come out of something that was so strong, those things you must stand fast. Notice his word, stand fast in the liberty. Why? Because those things, Satan and the old flesh, will be nibbling at your heels trying to drag you down. Now, we're not talking about losing your salvation, but we are talking about being ineffective. We're talking about leaving the best that God had for you by grace through faith, trusting the Spirit of the Lord to lead you, and go again and entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Now, Alex, uh, the reason I wanted to do that, I think that is really what's happening to so many people. 
you were talking to the young person that you were talking about being in your youth group. Are you running with, are you going with Christ now? Yes. Mm -hmm. But those that had a tendency, whatever it is, I'm not going to start naming those particular things, but especially those that were addictions, they, uh, Satan doesn't give up easily. Those addictions does not turn around easily. So again, you have to stand fast. And then when we get after we get to verse uh, 13 and following, he's going to tell you a little bit how to do that and how to stand fast. He encourages us to stand fast in chapter 5, verse 1. But then when we get over here about walking in the Spirit, not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, the fruit of the Spirit, he's telling us how we can accomplish that. In other words, Alex, we can't accomplish it in our flesh alone. It's the Holy mm. Spirit of God empowering us in order to live this life that Christ has laid out before us, brother. Wow. Well, you know, um, in verse 8, it says, This persuasion comes not of him that calleth you. In other words, if you're thinking about getting away from the gospel or trusting in something other than Jesus, Paul is saying, look, the one who called you, this is not of him. Now, when we feel led to Jesus, uh, what voice is calling us? Well, it's the Holy Spirit. It's God. Because when you, you think about Christ, you think about the message of salvation from God's Word, not man's ideas, but God's Word. Bert, um, to be saved, God's way of salvation, which is the only way of salvation, repent, believe in Jesus, that's the Spirit of God. And so if we're being led to some other way, well, Jesus plus works, or Jesus plus, you know, some other thing, or uh, some uh, other religious path. I mean, that's not of the Spirit, is it? Because Jesus says, you know, if it's truly of the Holy Spirit, it will point you to me. It will, and you stay with him. That's the reason he said, stand fast. What's amazing, he's going to say, stand fast, but then walk. We're going to make that real to us today as we continue in God's Word here on Exploring the Word. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Patricia Kushwa, Acting Chair of the United States Parole Commission. Her agency works to promote public safety and strive for justice and fairness regarding the release and revocation of offenders under its jurisdiction. Isaiah 32:18 reminds us of our goal of peace as a nation. My people will abide in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. Right now with this in mind, let's pray. Dear God, we ask you to bless Commissioner Kushwa in her task of helping keep our country safe. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country. And we're joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. Greed motivates people to cheat on their taxes and hoard what they have. But Dr. Tony Evans says it's at the root of a human tragedy much, much bigger. He'll explain today as we spend two minutes with Tony. Slavery existed in America due to greed. In order to get enough people to service the industry, to maintain King Cotton, to keep 
this bolstering economy going, we will trap people in perpetual generational slavery based on skin color as the driving means of economic development in America. The birth defect of our great republic was using economics to empower the evil institution of slavery. Is economic development legitimate? Absolutely. But not when you force people against their will into a system that traps them and doesn't give them an out and does so generationally. That's a form of greed. And with all the great things that our country has to offer, when greed takes over our individual lives, personal lives, family lives, governmental or corporate lives, then we have set ourselves up an idol that is against the true and living God. Slavery was abolished, but racism is its remnant. Learn how to overcome it with the help of Tony's book, Oneness Embraced, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Colossians 1.13. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bertie and Alex with you today, and we're in Galatians chapter 5, and I'm just telling you, you will enjoy this. If you have your Bibles and join us, it'll be a double blessing, but just listening, this is powerful. And on verse 10, we kind of got to verse 9, a little leaven, leaven's a whole lump. Usually when leaven is used, Alex, it's talking about in a negative way, and here he's, again, what you said, he's driving the point home that if you're going to try to keep just one thing of the law, circumcision, you're, you're the whole thing. And so the whole thing is here, the leaven, leaven's a whole lump. But I, verse 10, listen to this, I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. Let me just share this and see if you agree, Alex. Paul starts talking about the mind in Philippians, he talks about the mind of Christ. And here he said, you need to have, he doesn't say it as plain as he did in Philippians, but he is really talking about have the mind of Christ. He says, uh, I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind but he who troubles you. In other words, you, your mind is staying on the Lord. Let me just say this. Does this, Paul is saying, I, I want you to understand this is not just a feeling. This is not making yourself glorified. When you think this through about the gospel of Jesus Christ and how he came and lived that perfect life, it what let me use this word, it may be not a good selection. He it set him up and he purposely to be that perfect sacrifice that was needed to rise again over our two greatest enemies, sin and death, 
And now he overcomes those, and he goes to the Father, ascending to the Father, seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. Now, what I'm saying is when I understand who Jesus Christ is and his purpose, all of this works in my mind, and it does. I'll just say this. It makes sense. It's it's comprehensible because in your mind you can see what Christ has done. I'm, I'm off track here. Do you follow what no, I'm trying to I, say? No, I think you're right on the money. You're right on the money. And, you know, Paul, uh, often he does use himself as an illustration one time, and he says, you know, um, if I if I don't preach Christ, woe is me. And, uh, you know, if Christ be not risen, I have no hope. Um, so he goes on, and like you say, um, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. I mean, let me let me say, if you're a little bit unsaved, you're unsaved, you know? Yeah. And if you're going to trust in something other than Christ, then then you're trusting in the wrong thing. Now, he says, I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded. In other words, I know you're going to trust me on this, just like you did before. And I, I'm, I'm sure... See, Paul, um, it's called the assumptive conclusion. In other words, he says, I'm going to assume that you're listening to me here. But it, it indicates to me in verse 10 that there had been somebody that was a false teacher because he says, he that troubles you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. Bert, and there's a lot I want to get to in chapter 5 here, but do you get the impression that this heresy, this false gospel of works and legalism, that it, it apparently came about through some individual, didn't it? It did, and they were false teachers. Uh, there's always, usually, Christ comes and he saved us. Now, there's people that want to make it a license. In other words, this liberty that we have, and he'll talk about this liberty. Uh, let me Just let me say this in verse 13 and read it, but it doesn't mean we don't need to come back to it. This liberty that we have, let me say what he says in verse 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, only do not use a liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, for through love serve one another. In other words, this liberty is not a license, and this this uh, the boundaries that he sets on us uh, that were setting in the book of Acts chapter fifteen when they said to do don't do this, don't do that, don't eat the bl- uh, drink the blood of the animals, uh, you know, do certain things. These are boundaries for your testimony. All things are lawful for me, but I'll not be brought under the power of any. In other words, these are lawful. We're at liberty, but the Holy Spirit of God comes into our life, and he establishes these limits, these boundaries that is for our benefit. It's not for our detriment. It's for our benefit. So, Alex, uh, this what you just said concerning what Paul was saying and this person coming in, he was trying to take them backward, you know, but yeah. there would also be those that would try to make it the other way and say, oh, uh, you know, I've been saved, so I can sin that grace may abound. And Paul said what? God forbid. So here yeah. Paul in his writings, he's refusing to let these people that he shared the gospel with who come to know Christ without proper guidance in his life, he's going to give that guidance. Don't go that way. Don't go this way. You know what he's saying? He's saying, stay with Christ. Stay with mm. Christ. Uh, once you have Christ, that's a sufficient. That's enough. Well, amen. Amen. So um, he says, uh, uh, if I, brethren, yet preach circumcision, 
Why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. Now, this thing of the cross, how Christ paid our sin debt and the Holy Son of God, I mean, there's a lot, and you and I could probably do a series on this. Why is the cross an offense sometimes? Well, you know, in, in the first century, they were looking for a Messiah that would help them overthrow Rome, and Jesus came first as a suffering servant, Savior, He'll return as a victorious king, for sure. But, I mean, the cross was an offense to a lot of people for a lot of reasons. Um, Even to this day, people have to admit that they are a helpless, lost sinner apart from Jesus. And, uh, Bert, some people, when the song Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, John Newton wrote the words that saved a wretch like me. (laughs) Some people take offense at that. But listen, apart from Christ, even the best, you know, the most copious human being ever is a wretched sinner apart from Jesus. Paul says, look, I'm not going to preach law, even though it would get me an easier ride down here. I'm willing to suffer persecution because I am preaching the cross of Jesus Christ. And he goes, uh, uh, you know, these that trouble you, Either God change them or, or cut them off. And he goes on for just a little bit. He talks about liberty, that we have liberty to love one another. And in verse 14, and I want you to comment on this, he says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as yourself. You remember back in Luke chapter 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan, how um, it was the Sabbath and the Jews wouldn't help the man that was beaten and robbed, but a Samaritan did, just like in... Luke 17, it was a Samaritan that got healed and came back and thanked Jesus. Now, here's the thing. Um, The law says you're free in Christ. Free to do what? Well, help somebody on the Sabbath whose ox is in the ditch. What are you free to do? Uh, Know that God is no respecter of persons, Jew, Gentile, Samaritan, Greek. Uh, We really are set free. And... Bert, I mean, this is probably a little, um, might sound contradictory, but the most licentious people very often are the legalists, because the legalists uh, that think they're going to get to God through their own self-righteousness, well, they break the law because they become prideful and and selfish and greedy. Isn't it something, if you think you're going to keep the law, Trust me, fellow human being, you're not going to make it. But if you throw, throw yourself on the mercy of Jesus Christ, the law is fulfilled for you through Jesus, and you're set free to live as an ambassador for the true and living God. Amen. And you can't help but when you were talking, my mind couldn't help but go to the Pharisee and the publican going up to mm. pray in the Pharisee, thank you that I'm not like that dude over there, that publican. I'm not like him. I fast, I give, I tithe on the very least of thing. And that guy over there, he's worse than a dog. And the publican said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And God, Jesus said, the publican went away justified. The Pharisee did not. That is legalism, and that's the licentiousness that you were talking about, Alex, because the worst licentiousness is who you are, pride. Uh, everybody wants, is there a sin that's worse than others? I I happen to believe there is, and I think the worst sin in all the world is pride. I, I mm-hmm. just, It was the first one that was committed 
with Lucifer. I want to be like the Most High. I don't want to be under you, God. I want my own throne. I don't want to be like you. Pride going through the whole idea. Adam and Eve, the pride of wanting to know, uh, you know, and knowledge of good and evil. And so that pride. But I want to go back to verse 13 and, and that last phrase. I, I want to make a little bit of it. But through love, listen to this next line, serve one another. Now, Alex, that's good anywhere, anytime. Let me, in marriage, what does husbands and wives do? They should serve one another. What should children and, and, and parents do? Serve one another. In church, what should we do? Serve, serve one another. You never, two of the most important words in all the Bible is one another. Pray mm. for one another. Uh, you know, serve one another. Love one another. That's the whole idea. They'll know that you're my followers because you love what? One another. And so that brings us to that verse that you just said in 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, love one another. You shall care for them. But then he contrasts that in verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. And and mm. so we're to treat each other, serve one another, pray for one another, love one another. Alex, uh, Paul is putting forth the Christian life as it should be lived here in the liberty, as you said earlier, it sets us free to follow Christ, not to follow our own whims and our own thoughts. Amen. Amen. Did you ever hear that poem uh, of childhood, The Gingham Dog and the Calico Cat? Yes. <laughs> side by side on the table set. Uh, that was uh, Eugene Field, I think it was. And he, anyway, they devoured one another. It was the, and, uh, frankly, if you're a little child, you hear this poem, it's a little bit scary, actually. But he says, look, um, isn't it odd, ironic, the self-righteous, copiously religious? But he says, look, you're going to bite and devour one another. Why? Because pride comes in. Pride and then just uh, preferring yourself above somebody else. And he said, look, this law of liberty is the pathway to love. So there's a transition, verse 16, it, it changes beautifully. So this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust, the lust of the flesh. Amen. Um, Amen. Ye, your, your name. In other words, it's really saying, look, add to your identity the power of the Spirit. Let that be your identity. And... We get in, I've heard many preachers preach on 17 through 26 as really what is the normal Christian life. I mean, there's the struggle of the flesh trying to dominate over the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Paul says these are contrary to one another so that you cannot do the things that you would. And I think, you know, Romans 7, 18 and following, he, you know, talks about that. But if you be led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Praise God. And Bert, I mean, if we think about it, since we can't keep the law, we've already broken the law, all it's going to do is frustrate us and poison us inside, prideful. Um, you know, if you're trying to get to God by your own righteousness, uh, not only is it going to be a wedge between you and the Savior, it's going to 
ultimately be a wedge between you and each other and frustrate you within yourself. Uh, the, in fact, some of the most sour Christians that I've known, professed Christians, were the legalists. And I, listen, I love everybody, but Bert, I've been around some legalists, <laughs> and it, it's not fun. It is not. They uh, they will take the joy away. They really do. Uh, time, we got about two and a half minutes before we go to the phone calls. And by the way, that number, if you want to start calling in, 888 888-589-8840. You can give us a call. But Alex, I just got to do this. In from verses, you are talking about verse sixteen being a transition, you know, from one to the other. Seven times the spirit is talked about from verse sixteen through verse twenty-six. In yes. other words, what this liberty that Christ has given to us is bound up in what Christ did and what the Holy Spirit does. You, Amen. You catch that? What Christ did, he set us free from the bondage of sin, and the Spirit of, of God keeps us and goes with us. And you can't help, I can't help, but I, I do this, the contrast between chapter 5, verse 1, stand fast, and in chapter 5, verse 16, walk in the Spirit. Now, what yeah. sets you free to walking in the Spirit? By standing fast in the liberty that Christ has, has brought us. In other words, when you understand this liberty that Christ has set us free from the law, then we can walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That, mm. Alex, I'd put it this way. They work in tandem they they run parallel with one another. When I'm standing in Christ in the li- in His liberty, and I'm walking in the Spirit, I am setting ready to be that person Christ wants me to be, brother. Amen, amen. Well, and we can't fully unpack it right now. We're going to get into it in depth tomorrow. By the way, I want to give the number because we'll take telephone calls, and the number is triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. 888-589-8840. But there are basically four categories of sins, moral, religious, personal, and social sins. But the Spirit of God sets us free from them all, doesn't he? Hey, we'll be back with more of Exploring the Word. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. See, we don't have to engage in psychological brainwashing techniques and all this nonsense that the left traffics in because they're godless for the most part the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they are mighty through god to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations that's how we fight tune in to the awakening weekdays at noon central on american family radio too busy to catch your favorite shows on the radio have no fear because the afr app is here Download the app to have access to live broadcast, music streaming, as well as each podcast. Whether you're at work, at home, or on the go, it's easy to listen to AFR. The AFR app is available not only for Apple and Android users, but also on Amazon Alexa and Roku. Download the AFR app today at AFR.net. When this mom ended a bad relationship, she found out she was pregnant. After the father told her to get an abortion, Julia was confused and didn't know what to do or who to talk to. I just knew that if I got an abortion, a part of me would be broken. Julia was referred to a preborn center 
where she was counseled and supported with the strength she needed to choose life. I couldn't imagine my life without him. Because of them, he's here. We're gonna get through it and it's gonna be okay. Preborn centers provide hope, love, free ultrasounds, and the gospel in action to moms like Julia. To find out more about the ministry of Preborn, visit them online at preborn.com. Again, that's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say the keyword baby. Your love can save a life. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. When the prodigal son parable is discussed, the focus is usually placed on the young son who squandered his inheritance, yet returned home when he came to himself. But if you look closely at the biblical text, you'll see it actually reveals the inexhaustible love of the father. Jesus' storytelling reveals that this was no usual earthly father. When the young son squandered all, brought shame upon himself and his family, the father sees him from a distance, runs to him, and restores him. That is our Heavenly Father. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, Public Policy Analyst for the American Family Association. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. As we go. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland here with Bert Harper. We're going to go to phone, phone calls. Excuse me, I swallowed wrong. Uh, 888-589-8840. <coughs> I apologize. I <laughs> swallowed funny there. We do Can that sometimes. Can I give you a warning, Alex? Can I give you a warning? The older you get, the more carefully you have to swallow, brother. <laughs> Re- really? <laughs> yeah, especially preachers because we use that voice and... Uh, it can it can get to you. So anyway, yeah. Well, aren't we glad to hear from everybody hey, who called? Man, don't we love these phone calls? And I, I oh, would say, are you ready to go? We are ready. Let's go to Georgia and talk to Michael. Michael, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, guys. Love you. Hey, man, uh, listen. Yeah, we love what, you guys. Just, we do. I understand, I understand perfectly what you all saying, but the Bible says there's something worse, terrible than pride against the brother, and it's called envy. They handed over Jesus uh, for envy, Pilate perceived. And behind envy is every evil work of the devil and don't have the spirit of the cane. So, yeah, I understood everything you were saying. Okay, Michael, thank you. Let me tell you what's behind envy. Pride. Pride Pride is behind envy because... I deserve this better. I, I des- All the attention Jesus is getting, the Pharisees were saying, we deserve that. We've paid the price. He's a newcomer. He's only been around three years and listened to all the people. So, I, Michael, I, I understand what you're saying, but pride is even behind him. Would you agree to that, Alex? Well, you know, back in Genesis, Cain and Abel, it was interesting that it says the, the Lord did not have respect to Cain for his offering. In other words, it says God rejected what he was trying to do. It says Cain was wroth, W-R-O-T-H, enraged. Isn't that something? And and that was envy and anger. And because 
it it really was pride. And Bert, maybe it's maybe it's almost two sides of the same coin, but envy and pride, just like in Isaiah 14, when Lucifer, uh, he couldn't tolerate that God was God, and he wanted to ascend his throne above the throne of God, and he was cast out of heaven. But um, do you know what? It is so liberating to understand that our value as a person, our self-worth, our stability and everything is in Jesus. It doesn't that just set us free? Amen. And you shall be free indeed in Christ Jesus. Uh, fulfill your purpose in his creation. He made you. He made you for the purpose of knowing him and to glorifying him. Honestly, uh, I know God's purpose for every believer. I know God's purpose for every person that's been born to know him and then to glorify him. Is that God selfish? No, it's for our benefit when we glorify him. It is for our own building up of our own selves, not in pride and not in false hope, but in the reality of who God is through Jesus Christ. Alex, uh, well said, brother. Let's go. God is good. Yeah, he is. Thank you, Michael. Let's go to Arkansas and talk to Thelma. Welcome, Thelma. Well, hello there. I love you guys, your show and everything. It's so enlightening. I'm 93, and so you make my day. But my question was, what do you guys mean by circumcision? You kept saying it over and over in that when you was doing the show today, and I always thought that was what they did to a male child when they were born. Okay, well, Gene, we're not disagreeing with you. Why would we say that? Because Paul, in Galatians chapter uh, 5, he says it more than once or twice, and he talks about that. But what they were doing, they were making that necessary for salvation, the Judaizers. And by doing so, it says that means you're going to have to keep the whole law. And uh, it did not lose its meaning, what you're talking about physically, but it, it is talking about keeping the whole law. Alex, go. Yeah. by the way, Thelma, 93, you've made our day to call us. Let me get that in, hasn't she, Alex? Oh, absolutely. God bless you, and thank you for listening. Well, you know, back in Genesis 17, God told Abraham, you and your descendants, the sign of your covenant with me is that the males will be circumcised. Well, the covenant was not that circumcision saved you or keeping the law— the covenant was that God would send the Messiah. And whether it be Genesis 3.15 or um, Malachi or Habakkuk chapter 2, it talks about the fact that trusting in God and and faithing God, if I could turn a noun into a verb, F-A-I-T-H, faith, faith in God and say, Lord, I, I do trust you. The Savior will come one day. Well, Jesus, the Savior, did come. That shows... The, the real, as Galatians 6.16 will say, the Israel of God, those that truly are part of that salvation covenant, believed God for what he promised about the coming Savior. So yes, circumcision is uh, performed on a male baby, but from Genesis 17 it was a sign of the promise that, and, and that we've received the promise. But the way Paul was using it, he says, look, you're trusting your works to make you straight with God, and it's not by human work, but it's by the work that the Savior did on the cross. Amen. Thank you, Thelma, again. 93, keep 
Praise Keep God. Keep going. Amen. Let's go to South Carolina and talk to Gene. Welcome, Gene. Hi, Jay. I have one question, and that is, could you tell me the difference between a marriage, a covenant marriage, and a traditional marriage among Christians? Okay, Gene, thank you. Uh, you know, traditional marriage is still male and female. The traditional marriage is a national uh, it's societal. A covenant marriage is something that was brought about, and it's really the biblical marriage of the covenant that a couple makes with one another and the covenant they make with God, isn't it, Alex? Exactly. Bert, I, I believe all true marriages are a covenant, really. Now, Genesis 2.24, which Jesus quotes in Matthew 19, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and the two of them shall become one flesh. Now, even Bert, in secular culture, will say marriage is often referred to colloquially as till death do us part. And so a covenant was uh, before God and, and, and these witnesses, you know, I take thee to be my wife, the wife takes thee to be the husband, and it's a covenant separated only by death. And see, that's what it was like when Abraham and God entered into a covenant. God said, Abraham, I'm going to send you seed, soil, and Savior. I'm going to give you descendants. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to send the Messiah. And here's what we'll do to show that we're true to this covenant. We'll sacrifice these animals, and we will walk between the pieces. And uh, may, may I lose my life if I ever... Uh, fail on my side of this promise. So Bert is a covenant because it means a cut, but it's a life promise. It's like you have my word and I will die before I uh, bail out on what I've promised to you. And and really that's how marriage ought to be, shouldn't it? It should be. And we need to desire that we're pleasing God when we uh, minister. You remember what we said earlier about serving one another, Alex? Uh, that's what marriage should be, serving one another. Now, again, uh, looking at that, notice what he talks about after serving one another. He goes straight to the Spirit of God, walking in the Spirit. The only way you're going to do that is in his power. Uh, in our own power, we're kind of selfish, aren't we? Yeah, we are. <laughs> but I, I want to say it again. and uh, Folks, though the world doesn't view it this way, they did, but they don't much anymore. All marriage between a man and a woman, is a covenant marriage, really. It is. And when I do a wedding ceremony, I make that known to them. I said, you're making a covenant day with one another, and then you're making a covenant with God, and that will supersede everything, and it is that. So, Gene, thank you. Let's go to Arkansas and talk to Robert. Robert, welcome. Well, hello. Uh, Alex, I had a question for you. It seems like if you believe in not sinning, that you're, you're considered a legalist. And I just wanted to know if you could give me a definition of what sin is. Well, God bless you. Thanks very much. Well, sin, you know, biblically, sin is a, a offense against God. Philosophically and theologically, you know, sin is that, the, that which leads to death and non-being, you know. But um, when, we, when we speak against legalism— I'm not saying don't have standards because we are to live righteously. We, we really are. Uh, but 
Bert, when, when we condemn legalism, for instance, we've got to remember the difference between convictions versus preference. Now, conviction that Jesus is the Son of God who paid our debt on the cross. But then there's preferences. Um, some Sometimes you go to church, wear a suit and tie. Other times, depending on culture, goodness, there's church services, depending on what part of the world or what part of the country you're in, that some are traditional, some are contemporary. Um, there are some places, Bert, and they would look askance at you if you read from something other than the King James Bible, or if you, um, you know, uh, contemporary music versus traditional music. Uh, even, let me say this, and, and I'm not a drinker, but when I go to Europe or Africa or South America, I mean, you'll go places and there's alcohol, and oh golly, there's parts of the uh, America where, you know, if, if you were a Christian, that's why, hey, I got in big trouble. I was teaching at a Christian university, and I brought in C.S. Lewis's son, uh, and it was a great, big thing, but he was talking about how, you know, his father, C.S. Lewis, had a pint of ale with Churchill, and they said, you were teaching those kids that alcohol is okay. I said, no, I wasn't. I just, Douglas Gresham Lewis was telling us about C.S. Lewis and the church in Britain. So, Bert, my point is this. There are cultural things that are matters of preference, and, and they're important. But let's remember that salvation must only be, in fact, can only be, through what Jesus did on the cross. I've got my preferences, but I can't impose my preferences on another believer because the things that we must agree on, conviction... Christ, the blood of Calvary, the empty tomb, uh, but cultural things, um, they might be things that we we prefer, but we can't make them matters of doctrine. That's right. Now, I would say this, Robert, Galatians 5, 13, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. We've been called to liberty in Christ, but do not use this liberty as an opportunity for the flesh no, those boundaries are set, the Holy Spirit working in you, and through that, love and serve one another. Um, that's the whole idea. And if we're not serving one another and we're serving ourselves, guess what? That's sin. And guess what legalism does? It Many times it's because it makes the person look good in, within their own mind. <clears throat> and so that's, that's what we mean. Let's go to Louisiana. Yeah. And Bitsy, are you online? From Louisiana. I am. Go right ahead. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes, you're on. Yeah. Okay. Um, recently, I was listening to a teacher in my church, and he was teaching about when Jesus was talking to the disciples before he ascended, and he's explaining that he he needed to ascend so that he could send the helper, the comforter, the, the Holy Spirit. And it started my brain down a rabbit trail, and I was hoping y'all could help me. What is is there any scriptural reference that explains what the role of the Holy Spirit will be in the millennium and beyond? If he's our helper now and he draws us to the Lord now, what is his role when we're all together? Thank you, Bitsy. Alex, you and I have talked about this. Questions has come up. Can a person, let me ask this, can a person, no matter 
in, uh, in Genesis to Revelation, can a person be saved apart from the ministry of the Holy Spirit and his conviction? No. Uh, what a profound and wonderful question. I've got to ask you, or I've I got to say, we need to put that in the Volume 2 book of 100 more <laughs> questions. It is. Uh, but Bert is right. I mean, nobody comes to the, the Lord Jesus unless the Spirit of God draws them. And there will be people saved because there will be children born in the millennium era, a thousand years, so people will still need to be saved. And it'll be the the time of the greatest amount of revelation ever, because Jesus will be physically present on earth. Um, everybody will know that Bible prophecy had been fulfilled as written. Oh my goodness, uh, the millennium period on earth, uh, it will be a time without argument, everybody living will have to know the reality of the gospel, and yet, because of the sin nature, there will be some that still reject. But the ministry of the Holy Spirit will go on. I believe it's Revelation 9.14. I'll have to jog my memory, but I think uh, Revelation, I'm sorry, Romans 9.14 calls the Spirit of God the eternal Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is forever. The Holy Spirit is eternal. And during that millennium age, um, among other things, the Spirit of God will be calling people toward Jesus. And let me just say this, the, the Holy Spirit restrains evil. Uh, I, I remember Bertha Smith, a great, great missionary teacher, she said, you'd be surprised what doesn't get to you, the evil, the, because God's restraining spirit acting as a thief, keeping so much away from us. And during the, the seems like during the, the period of tribulation, uh, you know, <clears throat> they'll they'll be that, but the Holy Spirit of God is at work, and He'll. I, I believe that the Trinity in the millennium, uh, Alex, my, I believe it's going to be clearer than ever at that point in time to oh, see yeah. God in such a manner. But Bet you know, Betsy, I said Romans. You. Yeah, uh, forgive me. I said Romans nine fourteen. It's Hebrews nine fourteen that calls the Holy Spirit the Eternal Spirit. Hebrews nine fourteen. But yeah, the Holy Spirit's ministry will go on throughout all of time. And Bitsy, thank you for that good question. We had a lot of good questions. Roy, Deb, maybe you can call in tomorrow and we'll get to your question. We appreciate you listening to Exploring the Word and here on AFR. Tell someone about Exploring the Word and all the programming, but more importantly, tell them about Jesus. Jesus.